and welcome to Personal Finance with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 28, and in the previous 27, we've covered all manner of subjects, ISAs, pensions, redundancy, insurances, and last time was saving for a holiday, although it could really have been saving for anything, with some top tips on how to come up with goals, plan budgets, and even find some money to save when you thought you didn't have any. It's down the side of the couch, it always is. That's just uh, some of the subjects we've looked at. There are loads more, and you'll find all our back catalogue of shows on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a listen to them all when it suits you, however it suits you. And then if you'd be kind enough to rate and review us, we'd be very grateful. Hit subscribe as well. That way you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop, and you'll be right up to date. For our library of money advice shows, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. I'm John Ellis, and with me, as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, we've looked at mortgages on a few occasions. This is the first time we've touched on this aspect, which is mortgages for the over 55s. The first thing that strikes me is it's going to differ from what we might consider as the traditional mortgage, where you, you generally work to pay back a lender the cost of your property over a period of 25 years. At 55, you're a lot nearer to retirement, and let's be honest, death. So what's the idea of mortgages for over 55s and how do they work? You know, this episode's all about retirement lending and often what is referred to as equity release. And a lot of people don't realise that they can take money out of their home that kind of age. A lot of people are aiming to try and pay their mortgage off for retirement. But you, you tend to find that someone's biggest asset is usually their home. So what, what equity release does is allows them to unlock some of that value from the, the property. Okay, so the value of the house. And, and how do they release it exactly? What, what are the ways that they go about that? Yeah, the, there's a couple of different ways. The, the two main ones, there's what's called a lifetime mortgage and the other one's what's called a, a home reversion plan. Now, with, with a lifetime mortgage, you borrow a percentage of your home's value but you still retain ownership of the property. Whereas with a home reversion scheme, what happens there is you sell an agreed proportion of the home to a plan provider. They then own the home and you continue to to stay in the property. So there are a couple of different ways that you can release some of the, the money that's locked up in your home. Okay, well, we're in good company today as we're joined by a holder of the Certificate in Lifetime Mortgages and also the Certificate in Regulated Equity Release. So well qualified. Please welcome Phil. (laughs) (laughs) I think the lease certificate is actually in the office here one of them's 2008 so that wasn't a yesterday (laughs) (laughs) this is a few years now so I I hope I would like to know that that I know what I'm speaking about well fingers um, crossed Phil we'll find out over the next little while (laughs) things things change all the time most of this stuff is, is much the same as what it was 10 years ago. Equity release actually used to get quite a lot of bad publicity years and years ago. I remember Um, that traditionally. Over the years, it it used to, didn't it? See, see going back maybe 30, 40 years ago, there there were schemes available. And what happened was lenders allowed people to release money in their house. They then invested it in the stock market. uh, And the theory was that that would grow and do well and give them the money. And what actually happened at that point, it was a bit of a double whammy, but property prices dropped a lot and the stock market dropped a lot. Mm. So what then ended up happening was 
people had a mortgage on a property that they couldn't afford to, to maybe pay the mortgage back. And the, the investments that they had weren't doing well because they dropped, so it was a double hit for mm-hmm. them. And, and that's why in the early days, equity release schemes, yeah. I wouldn't say they weren't great, but they, there's so much more. Like now, they, there's just so much more to them and, and they're a lot safer, definitely a lot better option for, for people. And they, one of the things with, with them, the first thing I noted down is any money you release is tax-free funds. So that's quite an important sort of thing there. The, the big question that is always asked is, how much can you borrow? Now, the, the main drivers that determine how much you can borrow is, is your age and the property value. So on the just in this segment, we'll speak about the lifetime mortgages as opposed to the home reversion schemes. But the, the main thing is, as I say, your age and the property value. Sometimes your health can impact. So if you're in poor health, that can sometimes mean that you can borrow more money out of the property because what lenders are doing is they're looking at your longevity, how long they think that based on your age that you're going to, to live for. To, to give you some examples, they also base it on the age of the youngest applicant. So if someone's at age 55, typically you can borrow around about a quarter of your home's value. At age 65, that's up to about 38%. And then by age 70, you can borrow at that point, 43.5%, just as a, a rough sort of guide. So d- different lenders have got different criteria, but you, you tend to find for, for every year that you get older, the amount that you can borrow normally goes up by about another 1%. And I guess as you get older, you're hoping your property value is, is going to rise as well. So uh, that's just a general rule of thumb as to, to how it works when it comes to how much you can get out of the, the property. Okay, I'm guessing that when you say there, you know, you're mentioning the, the sort of health of the applicant. I'm guessing that, like some insurances, there might be not a fitness test, but that you might have to go and get a ones over from a doctor, and then they fill in a little form for you in More, order to get this. That's only really if you were wanting to borrow the very maximum. You, you'll find that the majority of lenders will just base it on your age or the age of the youngest applicant, and also the the property value. But if someone was desperate to get more. I get the most of the lenders will tend to have a form that we fill in. We'll maybe put down any medication folk are on. We'll put down things like have they had any heart attacks, have they ever had a stroke, cancer, all that sort of things. And so they, they tend to do it more just a questionnaire rather than actually people going and, and doing any medical examinations. Okay. And once you've got this money that you, you've borrowed, Phil, can you use it for anything? To pretty much any legal purpose in the past. <laughs> In in the past, uh, I've seen people do an equity release to pay off maybe an existing mortgage. So they, they maybe get into their 60s and they've still got, they, they maybe had an interest-only mortgage and an endowment maybe never paid off the, the amount that it needed to. Um, and also, pe- people are generally tending to borrow money to a longer kind of age. So, and, and some folk have got the intention, oh, I'll just keep working, but their health may not allow that. So I've seen a lot of cases where people have maybe had a mortgage, they've used this money to pay that off. I've seen people use it to, to buy cars, go on holidays. It's generally enhancing their lifestyle in retirement. I've seen people pay off debts, loans, credit cards. I've seen others help family members out. Um, seen a few do it for home improvements as well. I had one person 
that stayed in a house. It was a, a house that was an upstairs and, and downstairs, but her health was deteriorating and what she looked to do. She wanted to, she didn't want to sell the house because she stayed there for years. So she actually adapted the ground floor, put in a toilet so that basically she didn't need to go upstairs, but she didn't need to move house. So the main thing is really just to boost your finances and retirement, but it can be used for so many different things. Yeah, and you mentioned there, I suppose, if, you, if you're looking at trying to release money from an asset like your home, it, it might be to help your family somehow. So uh, it probably pays to sit down and chat it over with them first in case they're, they're looking to, to just cash in when you peg out. I, I always think it's good to get the family involved. Now, I can understand some people don't, and, and they think, well, it's my money, my property, it's up to me what I do with it. And, and that's fair enough, and I, I can totally see where people are coming from. When, when I was advising on this type of mortgage, the one thing that I didn't want is for someone's family to be expecting an inheritance only to find that there wasn't what they thought there was going to be. So um, that for, for me, that was why I used to say to folk, look, I would recommend that you do get your family involved. You also tend to find if, if someone's a wee bit older, they, they can sometimes be classed as, as vulnerable. And again, that, that's another reason that I think it's good to involve family in that sort of decisions. But like I say, I, I can't understand why some people think, no, it's my property. I want to do what I want with it, yeah. regardless of what anybody, any of the family members think. Yeah, I think maybe you should involve your family in this decision. I will tell them when we get back from Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, of potential pitfalls with this type of mortgage, is there any specific insurance policy that we should be looking at? The, the way that a lifetime war, mortgage works is that interest is added to, to what you what you owe. Now, what, what happens there is that the interest is rolling up. So in the early years, you, you're paying interest on that interest. Now, what, what kind of happens there is that the longer you have that mortgage, the more interest you're paying. So but one of the things that some lenders will, will have is they, they have got a guarantee that maybe some sort of inheritance guarantees. So they, they'll say, right, we guarantee that so much will be left to, to your family. Because the longer you have this type of mortgage with the interest rolling up, you're not physically making a monthly payment each month on, on most of the, the, the mortgages. So you, you do tend to find there that some lenders will have this guarantee for inheritance, but many of the providers will also have what's called a, a no negative equity guarantee. And there's what's called the Equity Release Council and their standards have this. So any lender that meets the Equity Release Council standards would have this no negative equity guarantee. So basically what that means is that you'll never owe more than what the, the property is worth. Okay. I hear the, is it the drawdown lifetime mortgage? That's sort of increasingly popular in the market. Why yeah, is that? The, the, the drawdown mortgage is, is popular. And, and I would say with that one, why, why it's good is that you're only borrowing the money that you need. Now, some people used to come to me and say, right, I want the maximum amount, but they would keep a lot of it in their bank. Now, there, there's no point paying an interest rate of maybe 5 or 6% on this type of mortgage when the money in the bank is only getting maybe 1%. So what, what a drawdown lifetime mortgage allows you to do is just take the money out that you need. So, so let's say you've got a facility where you can borrow 100000 you might say, right, in year one, I want to take out 10 grand, and the next year, I want to do the same. And that way, you're only paying interest on the money that you've actually taken out. 
So it, it means that it's not rolling up as fast by, by doing it that way. So the drawdown mortgages are um, ones that are, are very popular. Another one that, that you can get these days, there, there's some providers that just pay you almost like a regular income from it. So rather than taking a lump sum, you can actually have it. That If you thought, well, my bills are quite tight, I would like an extra few hundred pounds a month to, to live off, there are options where you can say, right, rather than drawing all the, the money out initially, or you may think, right, you can do a bit of a mix and match where you could say, I'll, I'll take 10 grand out just for, for a holiday in a car, and then I then want 200 pounds a month for the rest of my life. And there, there's options that can do that sort of thing as well. So the, the drawdown mortgages are, are very popular. And I yes. think the ones where they release the income will, will start tend to grow and become more popular mm-hmm. in years as well where the appeal is really the flexibility and what you can do yeah. and when you can do it now with traditional mortgages i suppose the majority of traditional mortgages are probably in joint names that might be different in later life mortgages is there any advantage in the type of policy being in, in joint names yeah i i would say that for for lifetime mortgages if, if there's a couple staying in a property you want to have that in in joint names a joint plan gives equal rights to either party to continue to live in a shared home if the other one was to die or go into long-term care. So I have seen it in the past where maybe, where it can sometimes be a problem is because they go in the age of the youngest applicant, They, if you had an older applicant and it was just in their name, yeah, you can borrow more, but the downside is that if they were to die, the, the person who's left would need to find a way to repay that mortgage because they might not be allowed to continue to stay in the property. So, yeah, having it in joint names is a, a definitely a, a good idea. Okay. What do we need to be wary of, Phil? I'd say that all, all the plans come with a variety of features and benefits. Um, it's important that your plan meets your needs. For instance, some allow borrowers to make monthly interest payments to avoid the interest rolling up. So if you could afford to do that, then that may be a, a good thing for, for some people. Interest added, and, and then you pay interest on the interest. So that's compounding. So, so what you tend to find is that you, you might borrow an amount to begin with, but if you don't make any payments into it, Perhaps in, in 10 years' time, that debt might have doubled. And then again, in another 10 years' time, it might have more than doubled because you're paying interest on the interest. So so that's one of the, the kind of, not, not so much a pitfall, but that's definitely one thing to, to be aware of. Another thing to be wary of as well is that there, there may be penalties for paying off a mortgage early. You do tend to find that lifetime mortgages and equity release generally tends to be that they are designed that if someone was to die or go into long-term care, then there's no, not usually any early repayment charges in that circumstances. So that, that's all the sort of things just to, to look out for. Are the costs for arranging equity releases, are they, are they relatively uniform or do you, do you have to keep a close eye on it? Can it vary from lender to lender? Yeah, I mean, it, it can vary. I mean, from, from different providers, I mean, you'll find some have got set-up costs, admin fees, You'll also find that there'll be solicitors' fees involved when you're you're setting up a, a lifetime mortgage because that, that lender's then taking a charge against your property. And so I know that I would always have said to spoke, look, seek independent legal advice if, if you're doing this. Depending on the option you choose, there, there could be surveyor's fees, but a lot of them will 
a lot of the providers will tend to cover the, the valuation costs because it's in their interest to get a survey played out. They want to make sure that your property is suitable for, for lending purposes. But what you tend to find as well is that most providers do tend to offer fixed rates for this type of mortgage. So one of the good things with that is that at any given point in time, you know exactly how much it's going to cost to repay that mortgage back. So if, if I was sitting down with someone to go through a quote or an illustration for a, a roll-up lifetime mortgage, then the, the major benefit there is I can say, right, if you repay this in five years, it'll be this, 10 years, it'll be that. So that, that's one of the good things about the interest rate being fixed on this type of mortgage. Will it affect any benefits if you receive those, this income? If, if someone receives mean-tested benefits, then they're entitled to them, could be affected um, by releasing equity from their home. So to, to give you an example, if, if someone re releases a lump sum and then puts that money in the bank, that would be a situation where if they're maybe being assessed for benefits, that could end up impact on, on them. Now, the, the main benefits that equity release can impact on is council tax reduction. Now, if, if you've got capital of 16,000 or less, you could qualify for that. Whereas if you took a lump sum out of say 20 grand and just had it sitting in your account, mm. if you were getting assessed for that, that could impact your eligibility to, to that benefit. So it's important to take advice on that. The, the other benefit that it can impact on as well is universal credit. So you tend to find the ones that are means tested are the ones that it can impact on. It doesn't impact on disability benefit or personal independence payments, PIP. That's a, so they're, they're a couple that it doesn't impact on, but it is good to, to kind of just take all that sort of things into account as well. Okay, we've mainly been looking, I'm aware, the lifetime mortgage. Any major differences in how that compares to the home reversion? Yeah, a, a home reversion, that involves selling all or a portion of your property. So you might say, right, like, sell the whole lot or sell... 90% or whatever percentage of it. Now, you continue to, to stay in the property, but the provider then owns that share that you've sold. Now, if property prices were to rise, you then don't benefit from that, the same as you would on a lifetime mortgage. That, that's one of the good things on a lifetime mortgage is that you still own the property. So if, if the property value rises in the longer term, you still benefit from that. And um, so in the earlier example, I said that over a period of maybe 10 years, your debt could double. I mean, you, you would hope that in that kind of period in time, property values would, would rise. Property is generally an asset that does over the longer term tend to go up. Although there's, there's no guarantees of anything. And, and you go through spells where things can be a wee bit up and down. Another thing with a home reversion is that if you die soon after taking one out, you could end up having sold part or all of your home for just a fraction of the price. So I tend to find, in my experience, the home reversions haven't been as, as popular. I know in Scotland, they're a lot more difficult to get. There's, there's very few providers actually do them in Scotland. So um, it's something that, that I haven't seen. I, I think in the past, I've only ever been involved in one. The, the chap couldn't get enough on a lifetime mortgage to, to repay all the debts that he had. So he had to go down that route where he, he basically sold his property. But the, the downside there, as I say, is that if you were to die soon after, you might have sold your property for a pittance of what it's actually worth. So as a general guide there, I think I picked up, you probably go for the home reversion 
as a sort of secondary option to the lifetime. Yeah, model. I mean, it, it, different people have got different needs, but it is there's pros and cons of everything, I guess. But I, I know certainly in my experience, the home reversions have never been as popular an option with clients. When you go through all the different things that they can do, the, the lifetime mortgages do tend to be more popular. Some some people will, will also do, you, you get now what's called interest-only retirement lending. So some lenders, if they feel that you can afford the, the monthly payments, they, they'll allow you to borrow the money, just pay the interest back on it. And the theory there is that at some point when you die or go into a home, the property gets sold and the debt gets repaid at that time. So if you had some like spare pension income, that might be an option for you. But the good thing there is that if you speak to a good mortgage broker, they'll be able to go through all the different options and find the best one for the individual. Okay, each week so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. Mortgages for the over 55s, Phil, obviously it's not a personal story, but you might have had uh, something to do with other people um, going for this. So what have you got on that? Yeah, I mean, in, in my career in financial services, I mean, I've, I've seen many people use equity release as a way to improve their lives. And I've seen people be less stressed because of it. Um, they've managed to maybe repay debts. And I've, I've seen others that have kind of had happier lives because they've been able to get the extra funds and go on holidays and do the things they wanted to do in, in retirement. So I, I've seen the impact that it's had on, on people in the past. I, I've been heavily involved in this for years. I, I used to work for a large solicitor's firm that had about 20 advisors working there. At that time, I was the only advisor qualified to give advice on equity release and lifetime mortgages. And so I used to do a lot of them back then. And it's something I've, I've seen it time after time in the past. So it, it can be an option. I mean, some, some people often think, oh, it's a last resort, but it's becoming an awful lot more popular these days because people have, they, they've worked hard to, to pay off their mortgage or maybe own their house outright. And all their, a lot of their sort of capital is in their property. A lot of their wealth is, is in it. So I, I've seen the benefits that, that it's made to people, making them happier, less stressed. So it is it's definitely something that's good for folk to consider. And Phil, we always do this bit as well. Uh, you find inspiration, I know you do, through through various people that you admire, and you always love a good quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on mortgages think, for the over 55s? The, the quote I've got this week is, yesterday is gone, tomorrow has not yet come, we have only today, let us begin. And that's one from Mother Teresa. Oh, good old Mother Teresa. Okay, Phil. I often think it's like, live for today because it, it's important to, to save as well but if, if you have got all that wealth locked up in your property and it, it, there's no point being skinned and like having a life where where you can't do the things you want to do and and you tend to find these days I, I mean some people are worried about leaving inheritance to their family but you, you tend to find in a lot of cases these days people's family the, the kids are often better off than what the parents were so I don't know. I mean, I know if my parents turned around to me saying, yeah, we'd like to look at something like this, I, I'd be delighted for them mm. because I want them to spend their money. I don't want it left to me. I mean, I, I know me personally, I, I do okay. But so it is, it, it's, it's something that's well worth looking into. Okay. To summarise in this episode, what's our takeaway, Phil? I, I would say consider all the options. I mean, when, when you get to age 55 plus, there are options out there for you if you own your own home. I would say speak to a professional advisor 
for, for people to give advice on equity release, they've got to be suitably qualified. But I, the, the one thing I would say is don't rush into any decisions. Take your time, have a look at the different options, see what one's going to be best for you. Because what, what you will find is with, with a, a lifetime mortgage, it is often just that. It is one that is designed for running the rest of your life. So you don't want to, to jump into anything. So I, I would say the key takeaway here is look into the different options and be comfortable with, with what you're going to be doing. Now, Phil is very keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you'd like. Let's get on to this week. Contact details in just a moment. I'll give it to you after these. Our first question today comes from Donna in Stonehaven. Now, she's looking to move home. She's keen on another property in the town, which is closer to the river than she presently is. And she says, given its propensity for flooding in recent years, is there any kind of insurance that would mean she could sleep easier at night knowing that she'd be covered were the worst to happen, Phil? It'd be difficult to get. I mean, like home insurance, I, I know one of the chaps that, and, that I work with used to stay right next to the River Don, um, and his house got flooded a few times. Now, the first couple of times his insurance company would cover him and then it would pay out and, and so they, that was good for him. But after a while, they were like, no, we're not going to insure you anymore. It can't renewal. It's like, no, we're going to do it. Um, so you'll probably find that getting home insurance, if, if there's been claims in the past and if you're within a certain radius of a, a river, if, if it's an area they think could be prone to flooding, it may be very hard to get home insurance, which isn't good. And I, I'm not aware of any insurance that you can actually get it covers you specifically for flooding. It's not to say there, there maybe isn't anything, but it's not something I've came across. But I'd definitely be aware of the pitfalls of trying to get home insurance on that sort of property. Okay. Next up, Stephen in Glasgow. Now, Stephen has been made redundant. Sorry to hear that. He's got little savings. I wonder simply what his first step should be financially to, to shore things up the best he can. Yeah, sorry to hear that as well. It's not, not good. I know it's still... Quite a lot of redundancies going on just now as well. But um, but, but I would say um, is I, I would recommend having a look at the Money Advice Service website. There's a lot of really info, a lot of really good information on there. And there is a specific redundancy section. Um, so it's quite good. And, and on there, it, it tells you things to do when you lose your job. Um, it's got a bit on any benefits that you may be entitled to. There's also like different checklists, what to do about your debt if you lose your job. So a lot of really good resources on that website. So it's moneyadviceservice.org.uk and there is a specific redundancy section. So I that would be the, the thing that I would say is, is good to go and have a look at there. We say as well, before you get in touch uh, with a question here, you might want to look at our back catalogue because we've covered a, a lot of topics now and we may well have touched on, on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. If you feel that you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else uh, of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or you could email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. 
uk. Send him your question. And like I say, he could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if you prefer us not to. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks very much, John. Thanks for listening.